good. Um, for those who are visitors here, we're you're jumping into a middle. You just turned me off. <laughs> um, yeah, but this one's going to be a short one today. We're getting toward the end of this here, and uh, yeah, I just I want to just remind us. I don't know, like why? I mean, it's somber taking the bread and the cup, but it's so joyful, and that's what Stu's communicating here. That's all. Um, our Stu's an elder in the house, and what he was communicating was just so real for us. Think about it. The stuff that Jesus takes for us, all the crap. And I feel like we just need to shake off like religiosity or, you know, just like tradition, get it off of you, <laughs> you know, cause he's real. He knows us. He sees us. We're not, you know, we're his children. We don't just say, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to set aside two hours of time max on a Sunday to, to go meet with God. <laughs> No, we're his children. And for those of, in the room who have children, that's 24-7, right? <laughs> it doesn't, there's no break. It's not like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit with you for a couple hours here and there. No, it's all the time. And, and there's delight in the father's heart. I mean, think about, I'm thinking of Sarah and Brendan right now. They're about to have their second baby. Um, a lot going on in their family, but the the joy and the love that you feel with that newborn baby coming out, right? You're just like, oh my gosh. You know, you can't even express the the amount of love, the feeling of love. It's inexpressible. It's beyond what words can can convey. It's a feeling. It's something so deep. And the father is one million, billion, however many times beyond that when he looks at us, when he sees us. And that's not just something we say, that is reality. And we as the people of God really need to have revelation of the depth of God's love so that when we come together as his kids, that there's so much joy. You know, we're gathering together so loved by God, right? And then coming to encounter him together, not just as a, oh, like fill me up on a Sunday. It's a, I get to come pour out before my father, link arms with my brothers and sisters and glorify our father, make him known and rejoice in all that he has done. And that's why we come together. This is what our gatherings on Sundays are about, to rejoice, to celebrate who our God is, to make it known, to testify about him, to testify of his goodness, to declare who he is, and to rejoice in what he's done, and to remember it, to remember it. And if we come in carrying anything, we remind her, right? It's a reminder, like Stu was saying, we get to throw it down at the cross and say, see you later. <laughs> he did it for us. He did the work. We don't have to carry it anymore. That's what we're talking about. And even through this series, we're talking about leaders in the early church and why our leadership in this church is structured the way it is and what the roles are. And I know that can get kind of like nitty gritty and heady and, but how exciting because what it's talking about is the family of God and that he has a design for his family that we can know about through scripture that we don't have to be confused about what we're doing or why we're gathering or what's the point or where we're going. He's given us such clarity 
just like, as we've said many times in our nuclear families, there's a father and a mother and children. That's his design. Every other form is not God's design. It's not how he made it to be. It's not what was his intention. And the same in the church, the, the nuclear family is a reflection of the church family, or the church family is a reflection of the nuclear family. We are here, a family made up of many families, and he has a design for us. Can it be done in many ways? Sure, but it might not be his design, right? We've talked about single parenting. I, was, I grew up in a home with a single mom. My dad left our family. Is that God's design? Absolutely not. Did my mom do a wonderful job? Yes, she is superwoman, <laughs> right? She's superwoman. I, but was that his design? No. Was it his intention? No. Was it the best that he had? No. No, it wasn't. And that's the same in the church. We get to know the design, walk it out, and taste of the goodness and delight ourselves in the goodness of his design. So we're going to, we're talking today about bishops. So we were, we're talking about the local leaders now. Last week we talked about elders, who elders are, their biblical role, how we see them through scripture. Today we're talking about bishops. Oh, it's so exciting, right? It's just like, oh. I can feel the excitement in the room. <laughs> yeah. Hear some shouts. Um, I don't know why I'm so amped. Tommy and I got zero sleep last night. It's like the coffee is just surging. <laughs> I had it later today. So, so we're going to do a quick review. But we're family, right? Okay, so what's the difference between, for those, you know, we have some visitors. So guys, let's show them what we got, right? <laughs> let's show them what we got. What's the difference between sotal and modal leadership? What is sotal? Big picture, global. Yeah, big C church. Sotal leaders. That word sotal is meant for their leaders. Where do we find them? What leaders are they? Oh, there we go. Give a round of applause for Bobby. And where do we find those? Ephesians 4. So we know about these gifts that were given to specific people. You can't desire to be an Ephesians 4 prophet. You can't desire to be an, an apostolic overseer. Those were gifts that God gave for the big C church, meaning the global church or the church in a region, and their emphasis is, yes, Bobby is on a roll today. So they're equipping the saints for the work of service. They're establishing churches, the E's, equipping, establishing. And what is modal leadership? Local, modal local, <laughs> like modal loco, modal loco, okay, <laughs> just trying to get ways for you to remember. Modal is local leadership, and who are they? Bobby doesn't want to answer all of them. Come on, guys, let's hear about it. Yeah, oh yeah, Rob, this is your moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> What? Elder, you got to do an order. You've done it every single week. <laughs> Elders, bishops, deacons. 
elders, bishops, deacons, leading men and women. So those are the local leaders, and their focus is on? Yeah, support. Well, that's specifically deacons, too. We're getting to that next week. But they're local. They're establishing the local family. They're um, intricately intricately involved in families' lives and individual lives, counseling and, and establishing in sound doctrine and making sure families are healthy, marriages are healthy. They're making this family of families right here local established, right? So let's see. And remember, there's a lot of overlap between the two. It's not a harsh distinction like sodals over here and modals over here and don't cross. No, we do a lot of, we do all the work together. But sodal bent is to the global regional church and establishing many churches and modal leadership, those elders, deacons, bishops, their focus is on the local community. And it's good. God made that design. It's like fathers and mothers working together to establish a family. Okay, we already did this. We were whipping through. Oh, I missed a question. All right, what is the role of an elder? Does anyone remember from last week? We went through a lot. Yeah, it's close to pastor, right? The pastoral, shepherding, teaching sound doctrine. Guys, I'm going to have to have Bobby teach. Like, she's going to have to meet with you guys to... <laughs> yeah, she's on a roll. So oversight and management, remember elders were a little bit on the, they were like the biggest circle within the local leaders. So they, they might be overseeing, managing this local body, but in the Bible, they were over entire city church communities, overseeing, shepherding, establishing. So they, they had a, a big role, but it was very pastoral. <laughs> And then they, like Bobby just said, grounding the family of families, sound doctrine, teaching, exhorting, strengthening, counseling. Okay? And then oversight and discipline, correction, grave matters of sin. Good luck. Stu and Christy are our elders in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiptoe around them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then another part of their role is along with the sodal leaders, they're confirming and commending other leaders, other ministers of the gospel, which are those Ephesians 4, fivefold leaders. So they're linking arms with them to appoint, to position, to commend. And that's what the church is about, multiplying leaders, right? And then multiplying churches. Oh, and still one more. Dispersing of financial aid to community from collection of apostles. That was the biblical model. So they're, they're also aiding with, because if they know the families, right, let's make it practical. I'm going to know, or, or Stu rather, Stu would know, oh, you know what? Um, Rob is in, Rob and Renee are in a great need and they don't have food on the table today. And he knows that because he knows them. He's in relationship with them. So then he'll come to the leadership team and he says, hey guys, we need to give aid, financial aid. We need to get some food for them. We need to help them, whatever that would look like for them. But he knows that because he, again, his role, he's, he knows the family, he knows the, the situation. And so then he's also helping to, to distribute funds. 
All right, so that's the review. Today we're moving on to bishops, which is really exciting. There's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different beliefs around what a bishop is. Okay, scholars believe a bunch of different things. So I'll share a couple of the the things, but I'm going to hit on what we believe and why we believe it. Okay, I'm not because it'll take way too long to do everything else. Feel free, go look at it yourself. If you have any questions, come to our leadership team. We are fully open for that here. So bishops, the word for that in the Greek is episkope, and it literally means one who looks after and visits. It's the public office of an overseer, a religious role involve, involving both service and leadership. It's an office, position, ministry as church leader, and one who watches over and a guardian. It kind of sounds like elder, right? has a lot of overlap. They're watching over, they're guarding, they're involved in people's lives. They're, I mean, I love one who looks after and visits. So visiting people in the church, literally visit is part of the Greek word that it comes from, to visit. So that's really cool. Like it's right in the name what they're supposed to be doing. In the biblical Greek, after the Hebrew word, whatever that is, but that's what it is, that act by which God looks into and searches out the ways, deeds, character of men in order to adjudge them their lot accordingly, whether joyous or sad, inspection, investigation, visitation. So that's where, that's the Hebrew word that the Greek comes out of, which kind of just gives more insight into it, that they're looking in, again, that deep relationship, just like God does. He looks in, he, he sees past the outside. We're not about surface relationship here. We want to go deep with people. I want you to know me deeply. I want to know you deeply. We got to rip the, the facades off and get to know the good, bad, and the ugly, and it's okay, right? That's what family does. You know all the stuff, and you still love each other, and you walk it out. And that's what we're trying to create as a culture here in this community. And the bishops have an intricate role in knowing the people, knowing deeply their situation through visitation, through meeting up with, understanding, talking. You know, some of those are the practical things. And you guys know I quote from this book every single week. If you want to read it, The Emergence of the Church, Context, Growth, Leadership, and Worship by Arthur Patsia. He writes, from the extant evidence, it is possible to conclude that at the time the pastorals were written, bishops were overseers of local house churches and were assisted by a group of individuals identified as deacons. Okay, so in the pastoral epistles, the bishops were house church leaders. And they were overseeing, they were hosting the churches because they met in homes, right? So they were the host homes and they were overseeing that home and there were deacons in each of the homes helping them, okay? That's, that's what they believe. So Kevin Giles, for one, takes the second alternative, concluding that the bishop is an elder chosen to oversee or manage a house church. So again, there's a lot of overlap between elder and bishop, but elders has a bigger realm of responsibility where they're over. So I'll get to that. But anyway, the bishops are chosen from them to have a very uh, host home, um, house church in their home. So let's look at the pattern. In the Old Testament, there's no terminology used for bishop. We don't see that word like elder. Remember last week, elder is all throughout the Old Testament. We see that word come up a lot. Bishop is not there, and you don't see a role 
that could be clearly compared to it um, or that I could see until the Jewish synagogue. And so this, at this point, we're going to just look real quick at what a Jewish synagogue was. And again, this is really to understand God's design. He didn't just make something up, right? <laughs> he had something very specific for a reason. That's why we're looking into these things. So, so some scholars think that the destruction of Solomon's Temple of Jerusalem in 586 BCE gave rise to synagogues after private homes were temporarily used for public worship and religious instruction. So they met in homes and then they started to meet at synagogues. And this is from Britannica. I just copied and pasted it and added some of my own thoughts in there, okay? So synagogue is also spelled synagogue. <laughs> in Judaism, it's a community house of worship that serves as a place not only for liturgical services, but also for assembly and study. Sound like the church? Its traditional functions are reflected in three Hebrew synonyms for synagogue. I'm not going to try to read them, but they mean house of prayer house of assembly, and house of study. I love that. Isn't that a, a clear picture of what the church is too? A house of prayer, a house that assembles, like today, and a house of study, like sound doctrine groups. The term synagogue is of Greek origin. It means literally to bring together and means a place of assembly. In the Jewish synagogues, there were rulers. Arch I don't know how to pronounce that. Archisynagogos. That was what they were called. And assistants, hyperedes. I think Jason might know how to say these in the back, but he's, he's smart. Um, the Pharisees and Sadducees were part of the Sanhedrin. Okay, so this is where there's a couple of scholars that differ. They don't really know. Some say it was only Pharisees. Some say it was only Sadducees. But remember last week we talked about the Sanhedrin was actually elders. They were a council. They were counsel over the city of believers. And that's what reflection in the New Testament, elders. So Pharisees and Sadducees were part of the Sanhedrin, elders, that council, and were overseeing the function of the synagogues. There's a lot of scholarly debate about this. You'll, you'll find a lot of different beliefs and why they believe it. But the general concept is clear. There was a great Sanhedrin that was over a huge city, and then there was local Sanhedrin, and then local head leaders, rulers of synagogues, okay? So again, we're getting rid of this hierarchical mindset, and we're just looking at realms of responsibility. The great Sanhedrin just had a bigger realm of responsibility than there were local Sanhedrin that were, um, they had to report to the great Sanhedrin, but they had their area of responsibility. And then there were rulers of synagogues that had their realm of responsibility and they would report to the Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrin. Okay. Important to know this because you know, a lot of us just start new Testament and we say, okay, let's look at the church in the new Testament. What are they like? But we have to remember all the disciples and Paul and Jesus were Jews. And they were walking out their Jewish heritage. They were living in this way. So, of course, this would have major, major influence. It just, it, Jesus didn't come and say, okay, forget everything you've ever learned, and I'm doing something new. No, he said, I'm the fulfillment 
of all this. This was all to point you to this new thing we're doing now. So look, it's a foreshadow. What I did here was because I'm doing this here. What I did here was because I'm doing this here. It all pointed to it. There's connection. So we want to look at that. What was he doing all throughout the Old Testament leading up to Jesus coming? And this was it. This was how the leadership structures were over the people of God. So therefore, some scholars correlate the office of elder, bishop, and deacon with this leadership structure. And I would agree with that mostly because I see the model all throughout the Old Testament and doing biblical theology, you're connect. you know, my mind's immediately saying, well, if that's what it was then, what was that pointing to for now and why? Because God has a design and I want to follow it. So since the early church met in homes, it believes that episcopos, which are bishops, episcopos would be the host of the church, the diaconi, deacons, were respected senior members of the house church and serving alongside in presbyteros, which are elders, were involved in overseed of all of this network of house churches. Does that make sense? You see it? Elders overseeing all the little groups going, making sure they're getting grounded in sound doctrine, and then bishops are in the homes with deacons establishing that group. Okay? So let's look at the New Testament qualifications for bishop. And again, we see it modeled. Um, we see that Paul appointed, they were appointed in the early church, and then Paul taught about it in Timothy. He instructed him, when you appoint bishops, this is what you look for. Clearly, we're supposed to be doing it. And there's clear instruction, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. It is, and a lot of people think this is for elders, okay? But the word here is episkopos, bishop. All right. So it's a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, overseer is episcopos or bishop, right? So if the man aspires to the office of bishop, episcopos, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer or an episcopos, a bishop, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self controlled respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not overindulging in wine, not a bully, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity, if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into disgrace in the snare of the devil. Sounds like a lot of stuff there, right? It's not just your average Joe who's a bishop, right? It's someone who's who's been seen, acknowledged, character, developing in these areas, growing, and their, their household. The reason why a lot of scholars think this too is that because they met in their homes, that's why it says their household has to be in order and managed well, because they're literally meeting in their home. And that's going to be a reflection to the church of how they treat their wife, how they treat their children, how they function in the home. 
So let me break down the character qualifications. Again, remember we say in the local leadership, they're chosen primarily for character. And there's a lot of character stuff there, right? So they need to be above reproach. Husband, this is just what we read. Husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable. They're not a drunk. They're not just, you know, sloshing around because you're drinking too much. Not a bully. I, I mean, I don't know what that would look like in today, but I'm, because I've never seen it here. We have such a wonderful group of people. No bullies in the house, I hope. I've never seen someone bully here. But I, I don't know what that would look like, maybe just pressuring people or tearing them down behind their back or, you know, being mean. Just get a Facebook. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. Bullying online. That's very true. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, so those are some of the modern ways. Yeah, and then being gentle. That's a positive. They're gentle with people. They're not contentious. They're not getting into arguments. That's another online thing, right? You're not just arguing for the sake of arguing and trying to prove that you know what you know. Free from the love of money. That's a huge one because, again, these people, the bishops are are instructing all the families. Their life is to be a reflection to the families. It's to pass it along. That's why they have to be above reproach in all these areas. They're being an example before people and not saying that we don't have all of our issues. It's meaning that we're open about our issues, right? That we have relationship with people. We're not saying, oh, you have to be perfect. And that's not what Paul was saying either. But, but that we're in deep enough relationship that we're in the light about our problems, and then we're still, you know, above reproach in these areas. Not a new convert. I mean, you got to be grounded in sound doctrine. So if you're a new convert, you probably don't really understand the big picture. And you don't want new converts, converts to just passing along their, I mean, I'm thinking of my, what I believed when I was first following the Lord. I don't even believe half the stuff I first believed, right? I think a lot of us can say like, oh my gosh, how did I believe that? Where did I get that from? Right? So again, some of those reasons why we wouldn't, because then they're multiplying people in those same mindsets and those same character traits. And then they need to have a good reputation with those outside the church, with unbelievers in their workplace, that they're not lazy, that they're not just, you know, they're deceitful or they need to have a good reputation. And then their role is to manage their nuclear household, their family well. Children that are home are under control. So you're, it's not like, oh, my son is 20 and he's off doing his own thing. That's different. He's not in your home. He's gone and he might be making his own choices at that point. Hopefully not. But I'm just saying in general, those are the things. It's if your kids are living with you at home, that you are you have control. You're hospitable. Your house is open for people to come over at any time. And you're, you know, just making people feel welcome there. Again, your home is where we gather. So that's probably why. Able to teach, preach, instruct in sound doctrine, and shepherding and counseling. So probably also the new convert would have to do with that. Like you're new, don't have a lot of experience, might not have a lot of counsel to give. Whereas somebody who's kind of a little further along, has been through some stuff in life, they might have a little more counsel to give and be able to teach and instruct and shepherd. 
qualifications overlap significantly and are nearly the same. And that's why scholars have debated whether they're the same role or not. Because in one of the scriptures we read last week about elders, it says an elder, a presbyteros, should episcopate, oversee. Right? So they're like, oh, it must be the same thing. All their qualifications are the same, but they're listed separately in other places. And what one scholar believes, or probably many that I um, agree with, is that overseeing is just a function of the elder. So it's saying the elder should episcopate. They should oversee. That's just a function that they have. It's not a role. And there's an actual role of bishop. Um, and there, the passage in 1 Timothy is addressing bishops, and the passage in Titus uses the term for elders. And as seen, the qualifications for both are nearly identical. They're very similar. Instead of assuming that bishops are elders, and elders are then the same role, we conclude that it can't be because elders are listed separately in 1 Timothy 5, which we talked about last week. It is more likely that their roles, along with deacons, simply overlapped considerably. Bishops, as Arthur Patsia notes, were overseers of local house churches and were assisted by deacons. Bishops were to manage their own household well and be hospitable, which very likely could have been because the church met in their homes as well. They also needed to be able to, needed to, be able to preach and teach instructing and sound doctrine. Right, So they're grounded, they've been discipled, they're part of the family, they have their family, and they're teaching others to, ha to have healthy family, healthy relationship. So what does that look like in our context here? We don't have bishops yet here. And what that's going to look like for us in the near future, as we're growing, is that would be our small groups that we're going to have. Sound Doctrine group will be like a study group. Uh, and again, we're just following Holy Spirit, how that's going to look. But small groups, we don't have a name for them yet or whatever, are going to meet in homes. And there will be leaders over those groups, and they will be bishops. Okay? And those will be considered small house churches because it's the church with an authority in the house. But you're not separate from here. We're all one community but we're meeting separately in homes throughout the week to connect, to go deeper in relationship. Because as we grow as a community, it's important that we're connecting in deep ways. And the bigger you get, the harder that becomes in a big group, right? We need to meet in small groups in order to connect, to know each other. So the bishops are going to be those that we approach when that time comes um, to oversee a group in their home and to be a host home, and to be a leader of that group. And that's why even right now we're investing so much to say, get involved in a sound doctrine group. Get involved. You've got to be grounded in sound doctrine if you want to influence anybody else. Any new believer coming in, you've got to know what you believe and why you believe it. And, and, not, and be able to explain it effectively to somebody. And we're believing there's a harvest about to come right? There's a harvest coming in, and we want to prepare. We need to be prepared as a community for that harvest of souls to come in. So our leadership team right now, which is myself and Pastor Tom, Elder, Elder Stu, Stu and Christy, who are elders, and Jay and Marie, who are deacons, and then Joe and Kate, who are away, are part of the, um, the overseeing team. 
prophets as overseers, Ephesians 4, that we're we're saying, oh my gosh, we have got to prepare. We've got to multiply like yesterday because we feel it so much in our spirit that there's about to be an influx of souls and we need people prepared to shepherd, to disciple, to, to lead others into sound doctrine because we're not enough for what's about to come. Our team's not enough. And that's why we've, we're so excited because those that God has brought here, we say this so often, we believe that God brought together a bunch of leaders. <laughs> There's so much leadership gifting in this house. We're, and we're constantly amazed, like, oh my gosh, like we are so, so blessed to have this. But we need to get everybody on the same page because we don't want, what we don't want is to position people too soon and you don't know what you believe, and you don't know why you believe it, and then you start multiplying yourself, right? And then that causes division in the church, causes confusion, right? So it's important. This is not a light thing. When we say join a sound doctrine group, we're saying, hey, if you want to go anywhere in your walk with the Lord, you got to get grounded, in the word and truth, know what you believe so you can start to influence others. And again, you guys know we are a Holy Spirit community. It's not all about the head knowledge. It is application. Sound doctrine is not sound doctrine unless you live it out, right? You can say all the right words, and if you're not living it, you don't have sound doctrine. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. And this is what, so this is what we're, um, oh yeah. And then I did a chart guys. I'm proud of myself because I, first of all, I don't do slides. I'm not technological. Stu and Christy encouraged me to do this. And I'm so glad they did because we have over a hundred slides now in this presentation, which is like so cool. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to do a visual. <laughs> so bear with my visual. <laughs> But this was just kind of see, again, just the areas of oversight. Again, it's not hierarchy. There's not one position that's higher than the other. It's realms of responsibility. So you see this big blue area, ministers of the gospel. That's Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They have a bigger realm because they're going to be planting churches. They're not going to stay in one place for the whole time, for forever. They're going to be sent out to plant new churches and new locations. So their area of oversight includes establishing many churches, many church families. And then we have elders have the next realm of responsibility. And elders will begin to, in our context here, Stu and Christy, and if there's other elders that arise, they'll be overseeing those small house churches or the small groups that kind of spring up from this house, from this community. And they'll be meeting with the bishops and making sure that they're grounded and know what they're doing and what are you saying to your group and, you know, making sure things are, they're overseeing all those groups, training, equipping, exhorting. And then the bishops, again, that next orange circle, that's their realm of responsibility. They're also, you know, they've given their lives to the gospel. They're living on mission. It reflects in their lives. And then they're now hosting a group in their home and they're helping to ground people in sound doctrine, helping people to understand what they believe and why they believe it, being an example for family, for marriage, for all those things. And they're connected, you know, with the elders. They're working with elders. They're not, you know, nobody here is doing it on their own. So, 
don't be scared, right? We're, we're doing this together. If you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems like a lot. No, we're linking arms. You're not alone. We're not like kicking you out to do your thing. But we are saying we need to put people out there now, get things ready. And then deacons have a lot of overlap. And that's why there's this kind of through it all, because they're working with the bishops in those local small group house church things to assist in whatever's needed. So we need more deacons too. And, but they're also assisting with elders and whatever the elders and ministers of the gospel need doing the practical things like food pantry is one of ours here, or like, um, when we have events here or making food, putting coffee out, things like that, that are very wonderful things that create an atmosphere, inviting hospitality. Um, Jane Marie are like the bomb. Everyone knows them. They, you call them up, they're there in a second. And we're going to talk about next next week their servant heart and that's but that's what they're doing for all these areas they're just serving and it naturally flows out they're just saying how can i help what can i help you with you know and and remember jesus was called a deacon he called himself i didn't come to be served i came to diaconai i came to serve that is our example. So all of us, right? All of us are to be serving. And then some of us will have a role of leadership in the church in service. And that's pretty awesome. Does anyone have questions? Because we're done. <laughs>